the midst of World War II, a submarine was leaving for a mission when it suffered engine failure. It sank to the bottom of the bay. They were 100 feet underwater, but they might as well have been 1,000 feet because the sailors on the submarine were trapped and there was no possibility of escape. Some divers were dispatched to the crippled vessel to discover if there was anything that could be done from the outside that would repair the submarine and be able to rescue the crew. As they drew near to the stranded sub, these divers heard a curious pinging sound coming from the ship. They weren't sure quite what it was, but eventually they figured out what was going on. One of the doomed sailors had taken a wrench and he was tapping Morse code against the hull. He was tapping the same words over and over and over again. Is there hope? Is there hope? Is there hope? That's a good question. It's a question that a lot of people are asking today. Is there hope? This past week as I was working on this message, I remembered that story and I thought, I want to make sure that I get the details right on that. So I Googled up that story. I Googled in the quotation marks, is there hope, to see if I could find the story of that trapped submarine to make sure I got it right. You know what I discovered? I discovered that when I typed in, is there hope, there were more than 38 million responses to that question. That along with the answers to that question, there were a list of related subjects and they began to say things like this. Is there hope? Is there hope for my marriage? Is there hope for my career? Is there hope for my cancer? Is there hope for climate change? Is there hope for my personality disorder? Is there hope for my retirement? Is there hope for my debt? Is there hope for America? Most plaintive of all, is there hope for me? People are trapped, not within a submarine, but they're drowning in their own lives. Trapped by circumstances, by broken hearts, by mistakes they've made and sins they've committed. Things that they seem to not be able to get beyond and they can't do anything to go back and correct. In so many ways, many are echoing the, the question of that doomed sailor. And maybe you're one of them. Is there hope? Is there hope for me? And through the 42nd Psalm, God gives us a clear answer. Yes, there is hope. For every one of us in every dimension of our lives and whatever it is that we're dealing with, the Bible wants us to know God has provided there is hope. And that's good to know because we live in a world that is starving for what the Lord can provide. The question the psalmist asked thousands of years ago still rings out in the hearts of people all over the world today. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Oh, we might not ask it exactly that way, but that's the question we're asking. Why are you cast down? What's wrong? Why is it you can't get beyond this? Why is it that you seem to struggle with depression day after day? Why is it that discouragement seems to dog your every step? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And sometimes the, question, the reasons are not very hard to find. 
When people in the Ukraine live daily under the clouds of war, when senseless violence breaks out in schools and on streets and in shopping malls and places of business, when children go to bed hungry night after night, many because their parents have used the money to feed their own addictions. But sometimes the reasons for hopelessness are not so obvious. There are people who are asking that question, is there hope? And if you looked at them from the outside, you would think everything is going fine in your life. There's no reason for you to be discouraged. There's no purpose in you struggling. But underneath it, people are struggling their best to stay afloat. Physical problems, financial struggles, work conflict, relationship issues, and sometimes just that sense that nothing's going right. In my life. Many people live, as Paul Turnier wrote, lives of quiet desperation. Just trying to make it from one day to the next. Trying to find purpose in the midst of it all. And people look for hope in so many directions. It's amazing the sort of things people will turn to to try to provide some sense of hope in their lives. Some seek hope in accomplishment. If I can just do enough, if I can just be important enough, if I can just stay busy enough, then maybe my life will have some meaning. If I can accomplish enough, it will make my heart full and I'll feel all right about things. Some people look for hope in the midst of distraction. If I can just entertain myself enough, if I can just find something that will draw my attention, if I can just get involved in a hobby and an interest, if I can distract myself enough, then I'll forget about the struggles I'm going through and everything will be okay. And some people turn to abundance, but enough will never be enough. And some trust government or a particular leader or some new teaching or some special experience and they believe I can find something that will give my life hope. Most of the places where people seek hope have one thing in common. That answer will not work. We are searching and seeking and trying to find hope for our lives and yet we are seeking down avenues and looking in directions that we think are going to work but yet time after time after time it may be in your own life that you've gone down that list and you can say, you know, I accomplished everything I thought I could accomplish. I distracted myself in all kinds of ways. I thought that I could find enough abundance. I've done it all and none of it works. And that's true because the Bible tells us it's true. This is what God said in his word. He said, remember, at one time you were without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. In other words, there was a time in your life when you just felt as though everything was kind of senseless. And life had no great purpose. In other words, apart from him, life seems pretty hopeless. And it would be except Paul was not finished in that passage because the very next verse he says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. There was that time when you were separated from God apart from him having no hope in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, through the blood of his cross, you've been drawn near to God. 
You see, Psalm 42 reminds us of a truth we always need to remember, which is this, the Lord is our only sure hope. The psalmist did cry out, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? But in the very next breath, he realized the solution. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The only sure hope is a personal trust in the Lord. I love the way Hebrews 6.19 describes it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This hope we have, sure and steadfast. He's not going to let me go. He really will hold me fast, as our choir reminded us just a little while ago. He is our sure hope. He is our hope in every circumstance of life. You know, all of us at some time are going to feel the storms raging around us. This past Thursday, we were reminded of how powerful the storms around us can be. But you know, we've all experienced those times when we had the same kind of storm raging within us. Struggling to find direction, struggling to find hope. And we need to know that there's a sure anchor and we can hang on to it and nothing's ever going to let us go. And that's Jesus Christ and he's there in every circumstance of life. You know, too many people are afraid that the Lord's only concerned about me when we're talking about religious stuff. You know, churchy stuff. But the Bible reminds us that this one who is our sure anchor, he is there in every circumstance of life. And the easiest of times and the hardest of times and the times that are most confusing and the times when we're seeking direction, he is our hope. He is our anchor. He's also our hope of forgiveness that we really are brought near to God by the blood of Christ. You know, one of the things I am convinced of, y'all, is that one of the reasons there seems to be an epidemic of hopelessness, an epidemic of struggle in our world today is because folks are not told anymore, you need forgiveness. You need to be made right with God. You need for someone to handle the sin in your life those things that you have done wrong in your past, the things you're doing wrong now. And unfortunately, you know, we live in the midst of a culture right now that says, you know, nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. You do whatever you think is right and live however you feel like you want to and, and that's just fine. And because of that, nobody is saying what people really need to hear, which is when there's sin in your life, it needs to be forgiven. It needs for somebody to come in and wipe it away. And I don't have to tell you what that sin is because it's that thing you think about when everything gets quiet and when you're struggling in your life and you recognize, you know, there are things I have done wrong and I can't make it right. And that's exactly so. Which is why the Bible tells us we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. It is the one thing that can wipe away sin and bring personal forgiveness so that it is carried to the cross and you never have to deal with it again. Jesus is our hope for forgiveness. 
Not only that, Jesus is our hope in the midst of a broken world. It really does matter where you focus your attention. You know, we are so tempted, particularly in the world today, because if we ever turn on the television or look at the news, what do we hear? Bad stuff, discouraging stuff, gloom and doom and awful stuff. And we're so tempted to only see the bad stuff going on around. And because of that, you're tempted to just give up. Things are just too bad and nobody can make them right. But Jesus is our hope when we put our attention on him and when we recognize that he is the solution to every problem that he is there in the midst of every struggle then we recognize we have all kinds of reason for hope I love the cry of victory in Romans chapter 8 yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creation thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord does he love me does he really love me does he care for me is he really willing to forgive me can he handle every sin can he take care of me in the midst of every difficulty I am persuaded nothing can separate us from the love of God most of all, Jesus is our sure hope for all time to come. He's not just your hope for today. and He's not just your hope for tomorrow. He is your hope for eternity. There's never a time when we are separated from the love of God. Missionary Gregory Fisher tells a story of when the Lord nailed that truth down in his own life. He was leading a class on the book of 1 Thessalonians with a group of African pastors. They arrived together at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where the Bible describes the return of Christ and Fisher was describing how Jesus will return. That the Bible says he will descend from heaven with a shout and suddenly one of the men interrupted him with a question. And his question is, what? What will he say when he shouts? Gregory Fisher looked at this man and he remembered his story. That this man was a refugee from a civil war that had decimated his own nation. The war had cost him his church and his home. Two of his children had died in the midst of that war. Many of his fellow believers had died and gone to heaven. He himself had been captured by a death squad and escaped just in time to take what was left of his family and escape and save their lives. And this was the man who asked the question. A man who knew much about suffering. A man who knew much about discouragement and despair. What will he say? When Jesus returns with a shout... What will he shout? Fisher was standing there thinking of how to answer. And the man spoke again. Reverend, you've not given me an answer. What will he say? And just in time, God gave him an answer. He said, when Jesus returns, when he returns from heaven with a shout, this is what he will say. He will say, enough. 
enough. Enough suffering, enough death, enough evil, enough sickness and disease, enough broken hearts, enough. Jesus will say, enough. I think the apostle John would agree with him. Because he wrote in the end of his revelation. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there were no more seas. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. We live in the hope of heaven, because that's when the Lord will say, enough. Is there hope? Remember what I said at the beginning of this message. I googled, is there hope, to make sure I had my story right. You know, the truth is, I never found that story in the middle of my search. But this is the very first thing I found on the response page. I have no idea who wrote it. But this is what I know. Everyone who Googled that question, at least on the day that I Googled it, and asked, is there hope, found this statement at the top of the page. There is hope because there is a Savior, Jesus Christ, our risen and living Lord. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a resurrection faith which enables us to look at life with new eyes the eyes of hope. We look back to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and what do we see? Hope. We see hope. We live in the midst of a world that asks the question, is there hope? And the answer comes back clearly. There is hope. In the one who loved you and gave himself for you. In the one whose blood covers your sin and gives you forgiveness. There's hope in the one who has promised that heaven waits for us. There is hope in the one who will look at the, the struggles and the despair of the world. And the day is coming when he will return. And when he returns, we will hear him cry enough. And he will take his own home to heaven. And we will forever be with the Lord. And in the meantime, in every circumstance and every situation, in the midst of every need, there is hope. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So what about you this morning? Maybe you're here today, you don't know the Savior. You've never had a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. 
And the truth is, you've been looking for hope, and you've been looking in all those kinds of directions. You've looked for hope and what you could accomplish, and you've looked for hope and how you could distract yourself, and you've looked for your hope, uh, hope and what you could acquire. And, and the truth is, you've done it all, and none of it worked. Maybe you need Jesus. If you don't know him, there's nothing you need more. And if that's you in just a moment when we stand and we sing an invitation hymn, if you'll come, I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here. We will meet you and we will introduce you to the Savior who can change your life and transform your eternity. He is hope. Or maybe God's calling you to be part of this fellowship and you want to come and bring your membership. Or maybe there's another decision that you need to make. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. As God speaks, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. good to be in God's house today to share this word of hope that comes from God in his word. Looking forward to tonight. If you'll come at five, we're going to have a wonderful study on what it means to be justified by Christ. It's going to be exciting. And then after that, we'll make our way over to Vestavia Bowl. This is one of my favorite things we do every year because it's just kind of a great mishmash of folks. So if you're here today and you're thinking, I'd like to go, but I'm just a little too old for that. No, no, no. You come right on. Are you thinking, we're just a little too young for that? No, no, no. We have had a great time. I, I think I've shared before, you know, the first time we did this, I bowled with a 90-year-old, Mr. John King, and, and he beat me. <laughs> and I've also bowled with some of our youngest preschoolers. So I hope that you and your family are coming. It's a great time for us to spend together. We'll have a great time. Let's take a moment now. Let's have a closing prayer. And then one last song, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you that you are the God of all hope. Father, we thank you that there's never a time in our lives when we are beyond your power 
and your touch, that your love never runs out and your forgiveness is abundant. And it all comes through the blood of your son who gave himself for us on the cross that we might have eternal life. Bless us, Lord, as we go to live as people of hope. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two.